I love, I love hearing these uh, praise and worship songs. I love that time of our service, and I hope you enjoyed uh, that time. And we still have one more at the end of the service that we'll be singing, and, and that way continuing to worship God and think about Him. But before we get to that last hymn, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3, and we've been studying this book for quite a few weeks now. And really, the biggest theme of this book is the gospel message, the freedom of the gospel message. And we've been going verse by verse, looking at what Paul was uh, teaching the church there in Galatia, uh, as he was teaching them about what his uh, ministry was, what he was teaching them about his message, teaching them about the mission that God had called them to, and, and also answering uh, some of what uh, the critics were saying, some of what the false teachers were teaching. And the whole reason he had to write this letter was there was people that were teaching wrong doctrine about salvation. They were teaching that you can get saved or you can get made righteous by God by doing works. And, uh, and so he's answering why the gospel isn't about works that it's all about faith. Now, when you get in chapter number three, we started last, uh, last week, we, we talked about uh, the spiritual life. We talked about living in the spirit. And, and he made these questions, these rhetorical questions to uh, the Christians at Galatia. And, and he was asking them, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? Was it when you fulfilled the third commandment or when you fulfilled the eighth commandment? When? What law did you abide by to receive the Spirit? And of course, they had to answer none. He said, okay, you receive the Spirit by faith, so you got to live by faith. There is a spiritual life that is lived as a result of having the Holy Spirit in us. And the gospel message is the message that we receive that salvation and we receive the Spirit by faith. Now, when you get to verse number six, is what we're going to study today, verse six down to verse number 14, he goes from talking about personal experience, right? He, he's telling them and asking them, right, in verse one through five, when did you do this? When did that happen? When did the Spirit come into your life? And he's talking about their experience at salvation, right? But when you get to verse number six, he kind of changes gears, and now he wants to talk about scripturally, right, how you know that salvation is by faith. Scripturally, I mean, from what the Bible says. Now, listen, this is important. When you have experiences in your life, they're real. But we can't judge everything we do and think and say by our experiences alone. We need to have the filter of the Word of God to help us determine and understand those experiences. So he starts with the experiences because they need to know Hey, this is how you felt when you got saved. This is a decision that you made. This is what you understood about the message of the gospel. That's good. That's what you felt the experience. But where do we find that in Scripture? Now, you got to remember, when Paul is teaching this, there is no Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They don't have a Bible that they open like we're doing today. All, right? all they had was what they heard in the synagogue. That's all they had. What they were hearing there from the, the different Bible teachers in the temple, that's all they heard. So Paul is trying to tell them, look, 
here's how you got to look at it. Here's what the scriptures say about the gospel message. Now, the most amazing and wonderful thing about the gospel message is that it's consistent. The message of the gospel is the same in the Old Testament like it is in the New Testament. The message of the gospel uh, is always been by faith. Believe it or not, sometimes we read the Old Testament and we're like, wasn't God a little bit mean in the Old Testament? Like, if you didn't do this, you're going to die. Right? If you don't keep this law, you're going to die. If you make this mistake, you're going to die. Man, it seems like a little bit mean of God. He seemed like a little bit more strict. And then in the New Testament, he's all about love and, and forgiveness. Can I say that in the Old Testament, he's all about love and forgiveness as well? We don't tend to focus on that as much. And we kind of think that the New Testament message is love and the Old Testament message is judgment. But when you look at the scriptures, you see God's love and grace in the Old Testament as well as in the New. The message of the gospel is the same for Moses and Abraham, as we'll see this morning, as it is for you and me. There's a consistency to that message. It's not one message for one person and a different message for someone else. No, it's the same. It's consistent. Now, by the way, I love consistency in life, don't you? I mean, I, I kind of like that the sun comes up every morning, right? I'm, I'm glad it didn't just disappear and cease to exist. I, I like that at night you can see stars most nights when there's no clouds, that the stars are always there. I, I love the consistency of a paycheck, right? At the end of a work week, I, I love that it's always there, right? Uh, we, we, we don't like inconsistency. You know, when I'm, when I'm playing basketball and I'm shooting, I want them all to go in, right? We like that consistency, right? We don't like them to be missing in that consistency, but making them. Consistency is important to us. It's something that we like as human beings. It's something that, well, makes us understand and, 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 and want to follow easier. What Paul is teaching the Galatians in verse number 6 down to verse number 14 is how when you read the Bible, you'll see that the message is consistent. And what was happening was in Galatia, they began to give a, an inconsistent message. These false teachers were coming in and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, yeah, you heard that, but that's not the, the, the full truth. And they started changing the truth. In fact, Paul says that they started giving a false gospel, that it wasn't just by faith alone. Yeah, you have to have some faith, but you also have to do things. And Paul says, no. You can look through the Bible and see the consistent message of the gospel. So with that in mind, look at verse number six and look how he talks about this consistency. Verse number six, he says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are the works are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. 
For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on all the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I'm going to give you a quick background of why he's talking about Abraham, because for us as Gentiles, Abraham's just a guy that we read about in the Bible. But for the people that were teaching that you have to be saved by doing good works, they were using Abraham as their reason for that. They would trace their lineage, because they were Jewish, back to Abraham. And what they were teaching was Abraham was made righteous because he did certain things. In fact, in Genesis chapter 17, it says that God told them, to get circumcised for the covenant. And that was a sign of their covenant. So what they were teaching the people at Galatia was, if you want to take part in that covenant, if you want to take part of, of the promise that God made to Abraham, you too have to be circumcised and do everything Abraham did. That's the background. So that's why he brings Abraham up. Do you know that when Jesus was on this earth, they also asked Jesus about that. They also talked to Jesus about well, what you're saying, I don't know if we can agree with that, Jesus, because we're, we're the children of Abraham. And Jesus told him, you can read the story in John chapter 8. We don't have time this morning, but I'll give you a summary. Jesus told him, if you were really of Abraham, then you would believe like Abraham believed in me. And then they said, well, whoa, 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 no, no, we're directly from the line of Abraham. We're not like you with a man that doesn't even know who his father is. That's what they called Jesus, quite frankly. Because, if you remember, Joseph didn't put away Mary. In other words, he, uh, she got pregnant before they knew one another. They accused her of being unfaithful. And so they were telling Jesus, you're an illegitimate child. You weren't even born in the sanctity of marriage. You were born outside of marriage. And you're talking about Abraham. You don't know anything about Abraham. And Jesus said, if you knew Abraham... And if you were really someone following after Abraham, then you'd believe in me because Abraham believed in me. All right, so now we fast forward. That is the background. So when he gets to verse number six, Paul, that's who he's talking to. He's to talking to people that claim, hey, Abraham's our father, and he did this so that he would be right with God. And here's what uh, Paul begins to tell him about the consistency of the gospel. He says, no, look, when you study the life of Abraham, you'll find that God made him the promise and preached to him the gospel way before he did anything, way before he did, uh, before he circumcised himself and, the, and his household, before he did any of these works of the law, God had already given him a promise. So I want you to notice real quick in your notes, the blessing of the promise that he talks about for Abraham, the blessing. Now, as I said, the greatest person in the Jewish history is Abraham. They, they trace their heritage back to them, and they would call him the, their father, Father Abraham. Uh, he was the one that uh, they all would point back and say, his, his religion, his faith, that's our faith as well. And what Paul wants to teach the Galatians, who were not Jewish, was that Abraham is also their father. Now, this is a little bit like, wait a second, I'm not Jewish. Abraham's the father of the Jews. How can he be my father as well? And that's what Paul explains. He's your father because of the gospel. The gospel me uh, message 
It was the same back then for Abraham by faith. And those that follow Abraham by faith also are part of that family. He's also your father. So, jump in real quick to verse number 6 and notice what it says. One more time, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So, what is the blessing of this promise that, that he's talking about? The blessing was the promise of being made righteous before God. How, how did he receive that promise? The false teachers were saying he did something for it. He earned it. Paul was saying, no, he didn't. Abraham didn't do anything to receive that promise except believe. So what we notice about the blessing of the promise, number one, is that it comes, that promise comes by faith alone. What is the promise? Being right with God. This is all about being right with God, being forgiven. Now, here's the religion, and I don't care if you want to take Judaism, if you want to take Islam, if you want to take Mormonism, if you want to take any religion, Buddhism, you take any religion and hear what it comes down to. You want to be forgiven, you want to be made right, you've got to do certain things. I was reading the book, uh, biography of Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, most have heard of him. And early in his 20s, he went through Asia and, and came back with all these beliefs about Buddhism and it's interesting, it's interesting to me as I read about his life in this book that he would like not eat certain foods because that, that, that makes me pure and better. And, and everything, a lot of the decisions that he made, not only about his diet, but how he treated people, how he think about things, how he looked at things, was all through that, that prism. If I do this, I'm better, I'm good, I'm okay. It's all works-based. And what Paul is saying is you'll never be right with God just because you do something. Because I'm nice to people. Because Eastern religion teaches me to be selfless. You can be selfless all your life and still not be right with God. It's not a matter of what we do. It's a matter of what we believe. So righteousness, the promise of being right with God the way that Abraham received that promise was by faith. And you say, where did you get that from, Pastor? Go in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. This is in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 15. It's the first book of the Bible. So you go to Genesis chapter 15, and you look at verse number 6. I won't bother reading verse number one through five, but basically Abraham's talking to God and he's saying, God, I don't have any kids. I don't have any future beyond me. You know, um, you, you promised me that you were going to bless me and that I was going to have all these blessings coming from you. And where are those blessings? Where's that promise? And, and here's what God says in verse number six. Uh, or here's what the scripture says. God makes him the promise. He says, Be, uh, by you, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have more children than the stars. Okay? And he said, well, how is that going to happen? I don't even have one. So God said, no, I promise you that I'm going to have, that's going to happen to you. I'm going to promise you that you will have a generation that follows you and, and you're going to multiply. So verse number six, he said, and he believed, this is Abraham, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. 
So in verse number 7 and verse number 8, Paul is quoting that from Genesis 15, 6. And he's saying, Abraham, he received the promise of being right with God by believing God, by faith. So you in Galatia, I know you're hearing, well, if we want to have that promise, we, we need to do what, what, what Abraham did in Genesis chapter 17. And I put that in your notes, Genesis 17, 10. And Paul's saying, no, you don't. The promise was actually given before. Before Abraham had actually do something, there was a promise that was already given to him, and that came through believing by faith. The gospel message has always been faith in God. Always. Abraham had to have faith. Now, here, here's the way it works, just so you can get a better picture of this. When we get saved, we believe the gospel message, and we look back. We look back at Jesus dying on the cross, and we say, he died on the cross for my sin. I believe that the reason he died was because I'm a sinner to pay my debt, and he saved me. If I believe in him, he'll save me. We're looking back. But Abraham was looking to the future. Abraham was by faith saying, God will send someone that will die for my sins and make me righteous. Did you see that both of them, though, require faith? Either if I'm Abraham, I got to believe that in the future, God's going to send someone to die, and I got to believe that, and that his death is going to forgive me of my sins. Or if you're living today, you're looking back, and you're looking at what Jesus did on the cross, and you got to believe that what he did was to pay for your sins. Both of them require faith. The gospel message is consistent. Paul says, you didn't have to follow the law then. You don't have to follow the law now. It's always been by faith. The blessing of the promise comes through faith alone. And then notice in verse number 7 that it, it's for everyone. It's for all who believe. It says, Know ye therefore that they which are of the faith, the same are the children of Abraham. In other words, those that believe God, it's counted for them as righteousness, just like Abraham. You want to be part of Abraham's family? You don't do it by, well, you've got to follow the Ten Commandments. No, that's what they were being taught. And Paul said, no, that's not true. We become part of Abraham's family when we follow his faith. The same faith that he had to believe what God was going to do is the same faith we need to look back at what God did. It's always been faith. So, when you search the scriptures, you find that the promise was received by faith for all who believe. That's why Paul later would write in Romans chapter 1, I put in your notes, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, everyone, to the Jew, to the Greek. It don't matter today. If he was alive today, he would say, and he was among us, he would say it's for the white folks and the brown folks. It's for everybody. I don't care what your ethnicity, ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what nation you come from. It doesn't matter what, what language you speak. The gospel is for everyone that believes. It's the same message. It's by faith. You don't have to do something. You don't have to go somewhere. Just simply by believing what Christ did, you can receive the promise. So that's the blessing of the promise. Now look. Secondly, in your notes, at the curse of the law. When you get to verse number 10, Paul says, now here's what they're teaching you. 
They're teaching you, no, to receive the promise of Abraham, you've got to fulfill the law. That means you've got to get circumcised. You've got to follow the Ten Commandments. You've got to go to, to the temple on, on the Sabbath. Uh, you've got to not eat certain foods. You've got to abstain from certain activities. You've got you to do all these things, and then God will be like, okay, you're good enough to come in. You're good enough for me to forgive you. And Paul says, okay, let's, let's just see what, what the scripture says about that. Look at verse number 10. He says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, curse is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Paul says, Here, here's the problem with what they're teaching you. When you start thinking that you're okay with God just because you're doing good things, here's what happens. Here's what happens. First of all, there in your notes, keeping the law requires perfect obedience. If you don't obey every law perfectly, you're going to fall under a curse. You say, what, what's the curse? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 26. That whole chapter, by the way, we won't read all of it, but the whole chapter of Deuteronomy chapter 27, God is talking to Israel and he's saying, okay, if you're going to follow me, you've got to keep the Sabbath, you've got to not be stealing, you've got to be honest, you've got to be a good character, you can't be lying. And he says, and if you break that law, okay, if you disobey what I'm saying, then you're going to have misery, destruction, famine's going to come in the land, and you'll have a curse on you. That's what the law says. So Paul says to the church in Galatia, you can follow the law, but just understand, if you follow the law, hoping that you'll be good enough for God to make you right and forgive you, then you need to understand something about the law. The minute that you break it, you're under a curse. That's why he says you've got to continue in all things of the law, in all things. It requires perfect obe obedience. Now, Ezekiel chapter 18, I put this in your notes, verse number 4, Ezekiel says this. If you break the law, God says, you die. Part of the curse isn't just famine. It isn't just destruction of your household and everything you own and possessions. Ultimately, it's death. The soul that sin, sins or sinneth, it shall die. That's the curse you're under. So Paul says, let me, let me ask you something. How many laws are good enough for you to be good enough? Because through the law, all you're doing is cursing yourself. You're not making yourself better. You're not impressing God. You're just bringing yourself into bondage under a greater curse. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live under a curse, right? Right? Nobody wants to live under judgment. None of us like, man, I hope everything goes wrong at work today. None of us said, man, I hope, you know, I hope my neighbors hate me. I hope they really destroy our neighborhood and our houses. We don't want that. But the Bible says if you don't live a godly life, you're under a curse. If you're going to live the law, you've got to live it all the way. And if you just break one, you're under a curse. Paul says, is that the way y'all want to live? Is that the way you think that God's going to find favor for you? No way. 
Not only does it require perfect obedience, but then he says there's no justification through the law. There's none. And verse number 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. So if you want to be forgiven and right with God, it's by faith, not by what you do. If it were by what you do, you'd have to be perfect at it. Can you imagine? You can't miss any Sunday school or service. You miss a service, you're out. You're cursed. There was a way that they had to dress. You can read through Leviticus. They couldn't mix fabrics. All of us right now have mixed fabrics. We're cursed according to the law. You say, that, that's not true. You can read it. It's true. There are things that you couldn't eat. There are certain meats you couldn't eat. Pork was one that you could not eat. If you're eating bacon, you're under a curse, according to the law. You say, I can't live life without bacon. That's great. <laughs> Me neither. And the good thing is, we don't live under the law, so we can have bacon. We can have all kinds of food. We're not constrained or in bondage to the law because you know what? When you live that way, you're just under a curse. And so that's what Paul is teaching the, the church at Galatia. Think about this, church. You want to live by these religious rules. All you're doing is condemning yourself. But you're not getting right with God. Let me just put it for you in vernacular like in, in words that we can comprehend this morning as church people. Look, at just because you're here at church doesn't mean you're pleasing God. Now, I'm glad you're here at church. And I think there's a right reason for being here at church. I think the Bible teaches us to be in church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the, sum, uh, the, the manner of some is. That we ought to be at church. But God says, just because you're here doesn't mean that that's pleasing unto God. You could be here for the wrong reasons. Did you know that in the law, if you were to mess up, the law said, okay, if you mess up, you got to give a sacrifice. Well, here's what happened with the children of Israel. They, they figured out, we can't keep the law. We're not that good. So what we'll do is we'll just have sacrifices. We'll sin and then just sacrifice and God will, will cover our sin. It got to the point where they just began to live the way they wanted, not caring about what God thought, what God said, and saying, hey, as long as I throw my sacrifice in, give an offering, God will forget about it. It's okay. When the prophet Isaiah starts preaching, God told Isaiah, tell the people I'm tired of their offerings. Tell them I'm tired of their sacrifices. If he were today, he would say, I'm tired of religion. Religion has taken a lot of people to hell. Religion has destroyed a lot of lives. God said, I, I'm not in this for religion. It's beyond that. Faith is not religion. Faith is, religion is works. Faith is belief. It's believing what God says. It's believing what God did and what he's doing. That's faith. Religion is works. Paul said, Church of Galatia, I'm begging you. 
Don't start living your life under a curse. Don't start living by the law. You have to do it perfectly. And if not, you're under a curse. If you can't keep it perfectly, you're under a curse and there's no justifying it. There's no being forgiven from it. Verse number 12, notice that he says, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. You've got to do it the rest of your life. And he said, don't do that. You know why some people find the Christian life so boring? Because they, they view it as a religion. Ah, oh, got to go to church. Now look at being honest with ourselves. We're not always excited to get up and go to church in the morning, right? Sometimes you had a really late Saturday and you're like, oh my goodness, got to get up and get ready. But But the idea isn't that. The idea is saying, oh, well, if I don't, God's going to be mad at me. That's not true. It's not by works of the law that we're either justified or all we are is condemned by the works of the law. I was talking with my uh, my, my kids yesterday. I'm like, Dad, we got to go to church tomorrow? Why? I said, man, that's a good question. Why? I said, we go so we can learn about God. I told them, we go because I need it. Son, I, I need the gospel in my life. They were like, huh? Eh, nothing. Go to bed. Let's pray. <laughs> just, you're going to get ready in the morning is what I told them. But, man, that, that, that's not just a question for like an eight-year-old. It's the same question we need to ask ourselves. Are we doing this because we think that at the end of doing all this, God's going to love us more? That's the works of the law. You can't live that way. You can't live that way. That's why we have to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Paul got that from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 4. Live by their faith. The gospel message is the same, whether it's in the Old Testament or in the New. It's always been by faith. So this is what we want to end with this morning, and that is the liberty in Christ. Verse number 13, he said, if there's no justification, if I'm under a curse from following the law, and the law doesn't give me any out, there's nothing that I can do by the law to get forgiven or to get out, then what do I do? And that's where Paul says, live by the gospel. Live by the gospel? What are you talking about? What is the, what is the gospel again? It's faith. Faith in what God did. Faith. It's faith. Living by faith. Living by faith. Living by faith. So notice. Notice what the gospel is of living by faith. In verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. So the law didn't do anything to justify us. Christ did. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Paul is saying, you know, Jesus died on a tree. That cross was cut, those barks were cut through, the, through a tree. They were nailed together to form a cross, and Jesus hung there. And according to the law in the Old Testament, if you read in Leviticus, anybody that dies by a tree is cursed. That's why Paul says Jesus became our curse. Why did he become our curse? To redeem us. That's an interesting word, redeem. It's not a word that we use a lot, unless it's for coupons, right? 
I want to redeem this coupon. Redeem, there in the Greek, it means to buy back, to set free. To buy back with the purpose of setting free. Now, the background to that word of why it's used that way is because during these, these days, slaves were bought and sold. Slavery is not just an American issue. It's a human issue. It was a human problem. And back in those days, they had slaves just like other societies, and they would literally buy and sell people. And so you could buy a slave to come and serve you in your, in your house, and that's just how they treated the, the people that were enslaved. Well, the word redeem, that Greek word meant I'm going to buy this slave, but I'm not buying him for him to come and work now under me so I can be his master. I'm actually buying him to give him freedom. Now, not everyone bought slaves for that reason. Many of them bought them, so now they can serve me. But when you bought them with this word and, and this Greek word, it's a... It's a uh, it's a big word, but uh, the, the word is exacarazo. Uh, Greek is so weird. Exacarazo, okay? When you bought them, right, when you redeemed them, exacarazo that way, it means you were getting them to set them free. Now, look at verse 13 again. Christ bought to set free who? Us. Us. Because we were under a curse of the law. There's no justification by anything that we do and no religious acts and works could save us or change us. So then what do we need? Faith. Faith in what Christ did. See, the liberty in Christ makes us free from the curse. None of us are perfect. None of us could keep the law. Everyone in here has at least lied once, so that makes you under a curse. Everyone in here has probably hated at some point someone or something, and that breaks the law, so you're under a curse. Everyone has lusted at some point. Well, that breaks the law, so you're under a curse. Nothing we could do to get out from under that curse. So then what had to happen? Christ had to buy us and set us free. How did he buy us? First Peter chapter 1. It's in your notes, 18 and 19. It says, for as much as ye know that you were not redeemed, there's the word, with corruptible things like silver and gold, from your vain lifestyle received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What he did on the cross was buy you and give you freedom. He redeemed us. How do I get that promise? By faith. That's the liberty. That's the freedom of it. It's amazing. By faith. I want you to notice, lastly, that the liberty of Christ or in Christ makes us free from the curse but it also gives us the promise of the Spirit. In verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham, the one that he received of being made righteous before God, might come now to us as Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 
How was Abraham made righteous? By faith. How are we made righteous? By faith. So Paul is saying, why do you want to go back to the law? Why do you want to go back and curse yourself? Why do you want to live under a curse? The gospel message, what Christ did, takes you out of that curse. He redeemed you. Makes you free from that curse and he gives you his spirit. That's the life of faith. Paul says it's there in the Bible. First, I'm telling you, do you remember how it felt, the experience you had when you received the Spirit? Yeah, okay, not only that, not only is it an experience that you've had in your life, but you can see it in the Bible. It's a truth that you can believe and be assured of. You're not just believing some fable, you're believing what the Bible says. So, this morning, we're reminded of the gospel message There's a blessing to that message, a promise. It was made to Abraham. It's made to us today as well. It's forgiveness by faith. By faith alone to everyone who believes. It's made us free from the curse of the law. Because the law, man, it stinks to live under the law. Can't wear half the stuff we wear. Can't eat what we want to eat. We can't can't live a a fun-filled life because we're breaking the law over and over and over again and we're just cursed. But the Christian life's not a life of curse. It's a life of freedom. Listen, if I can put it to you this way, God doesn't want you to be religious. He's not impressed with how many Bible verses you know. By the way, I think you ought to learn some Bible verses. I think you ought to learn John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I think you ought to learn Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I think you ought to learn scripture, but let me tell you something. The scripture you learn doesn't impress God, and it's not making him happier with you. A life of faith does, though. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. By the way, that ought to be good news. For some of us that don't have the greatest of memories, it's good to say, I don't have to memorize a chapter of the Bible for God to be happy with me. I just have to have faith. I don't have to be at church every single service. I can miss a service and God is still can be happy with me if I have a life of faith. Because that's what he bought us and set us free. This morning, listen, if you're living a life of religion, just let it go. God ain't impressed. Start living a life of faith. Stop living a life that says, I got to follow these rules. No, 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 no. You got to follow faith. Got to believe God. And you'll find freedom and joy like you've never found before. That's why Paul said, Let Christ dwell in you richly. This morning, I just want to encourage you don't live under the law, 
It's a life, a religious life that really stinks. Live in the faith that Christ has given us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Father, I, I pray that something that was said today was an encouragement to someone. I pray that we would have a greater understanding of the freedom that we have. That being a Christian isn't all about do's and don'ts. And that if we messed up yesterday, it doesn't mean we have to be extra good today so that you're not mad anymore. Father, help us to realize and understand that that if we just believe what you've done for us, that that's enough. That if we believe in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us, that's enough. That we don't have to try to live a life that impresses you or impresses others. That we just have to live a life that that believes your word, that reveals our faith and the promise that was given to us. And so, Father, I pray, help us as a church, as individuals this week to not live according to what we think are rules and regulations. Help us to live according to what your word teaches, believing you, believing that you have forgiven us and loved us and have given us liberty to live by your spirit. Help us to do that this week and help us to to have that kind of experience in our Christian life. Father, we love you today. We love you because, because you bought us and redeemed us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. for salvation. We love you this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.